Welcome, savvy investor, to Skyline Views. Hello and welcome to another episode of Skyline Views. I'm Chris Mills. My guest today is National Account Executive for Cost Segregation Services Incorporated, Mr. Mark Gross. Mark, how are you? Very good, sir. How are you today? Doing very well. Guys, today we're talking cost segregation. CSSI performs engineering-based cost segregation studies as an essential tax savings tool for commercial property owners. So Mark, why don't we start today introducing the concept of cost segregation versus a straight line depreciation, which most of us are used to. Sure. And thank you for this opportunity. Uh, it's a pleasure to speak with you and also to your listeners uh, today. When you think about uh, cost segregation, the difference between that and a straight line depreciation is that based on IRS guidelines, a commercial property typically can be depreciated with a 39 year straight line depreciation. What that means is that you take a look at what you paid for the building minus the land because land is not depreciable. And you then look at uh, that amount and you divide it into the 39 years and you do a straight line depreciation. That's what that would be. And a good point of differentiation is that you look at what you paid for versus what is the value of it. Sometimes people think it's the value of the property and it's not. It's what your cost basis is for that, for that property. Under IRS guidelines, the 39-year straight line works for virtually all property types with the exception of uh, multifamily apartment buildings. And that has a 27 and a half year straight line depreciation. So the same methodology would be used for, for those multifamily apartments as far as breaking up the cost of the building um, in the straight line for those 27 and a half years. A different way of looking at depreciation is cost segregation, which instead of looking at the building as one total entity, is to break it up into components or basically to segregate the, the cost, and that's where you get the term cost segregation. So for instance, there are certain components of the building, such as the carpeting. Carpeting is not gonna last 39 years, and there's other molding, electrical things, things of that nature. So what we do, all everything is done based on IRS guidelines. So what we do is we break up the componentry of that building based on those IRS guidelines into shorter lives, such as a, a, a five, 10, 15 year. And it may include components such as uh, a parking lot, landscaping, things of that nature. And what in essence it does is it brings forward those depreciable uh, costs into either the first year or the first several years so that you get to be able to write off the, the maximum of amount of depreciation. And to be clear, you're still gonna pay the same amount of depreciation over the, over the period of years. However, by uh, front end loading that you are uh, the time value of money, a dollar today is worth a, a lot more than a dollar 39 years from now. And when you take a look at people who own commercial real estate, 
they're savvy investors for the most part. And with that money, they just don't sit on it, and put it in the bank and get, you know, zero to 1%, you know, interest rate on it. They reinvest it by, by building, by uh, buying other properties or doing things, things of that nature, and will get a much higher return on, on that money. So that's, that's in essence how, that's kind of a, a 30,000 foot view of what cost segregation is. That's perfect, Mark. Thank you for that. Where do the partial asset dispositions fall into there? And um, can you talk specifically about how that reduces taxes? Well, with the partial asset disposition, you take a look at um, what, what can be depreciated uh, faster versus uh, a, lo a longer, longer term. You, you might have um, some, you might have, this will might uh, pertain to like uh, HVAC, um, other, other componentry with, within the property that uh, just can be depreciated differently. It's, it's probably, in my opinion, because there's so many variations for this by property owners, probably advantageous to maybe look at that more on an individual basis, as opposed to trying to, to give a quick overview for, for your listeners. Got it. Can you talk about the compliance stipulations of the uh, 2014 repair regulations? The, uh, the TPR or the, or the tangible pro property regu regulations, uh, again, for, from my perspective, is probably something because of the, the intricacies of that is probably best to kind of do that on an individual basis. Sometimes that has to do with whether or not something is capitalized versus whether something is, is expensed. And, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that uh, it, it kind of looks at things from a, from a percentage basis such as if you have a, a, a property with two HVAC units, and if you, uh, if you were to repair one of those, because it's 50% it's of the property, that could have a different uh, uh, expense as opposed to maybe a larger building which has 20 HVAC units and you, and you replace um, one or two, then that could be expense because it's a lower percentage of, of the total number of, of units that you have on that property. So again, that's something which will vary significantly depending upon the, the individual situation. And what that looks like in real life, kind of uh, specifying my question, you, you usually send an engineer out to the building to kind of make these assessments on this individual basis, is that correct? We, we send people out to, to do uh, site visits with every single one of our uh, with every single one of our studies and we, we've done approaching 30,000 studies at this point and hundreds of photographs are taken of each individual property and we have analysts which will go through and will review all those photographs and will zoom, zoom in on everything to the degree of this is a an alarm system, what is the particular camera that's associated with that? What's the model? What's the cost associated with that? Looking at the consumer price index, what, you know, what's that going to be? And there's, there's different uh, quality levels of cost segregation. The most, uh, the one which the IRS recommends is engineered based, whereby we, we have this in-depth analysis of each individual property 
we'll review the blueprints, we'll review uh, if there was a lot of renovations, we'll review the, the work orders and the appraisal. And it's, it's a very in-depth process, which, uh, which takes a number of weeks to go through. But yes, it's correct. We do have somebody that goes out on every single uh, site visit, which I know uh, not, not all, all firms do. Got it. So changes were made with the CARES Act uh, that can affect our tax returns going back a few years, um, especially for business owners. Can you talk about those changes? Yes. There's been a lot in the news about the CARES Act, and most of it has probably been associated with the PPP, the payroll production uh, program, which is out there. And that's, that's a very important element of it. But what a lot of people are not cognizant of is what the CARES Act does with the net operating loss carrybacks. What that in, in essence allows a, a business owner to do is to take a look at losses that our studies can generate, which can then be carried back five years and if they can actually get refunds from the IRS from taxes that they, they pay. I'm working with a hotel owner right now where we're gonna be able to save him over $300,000 on taxes that he paid over the last uh, five years. And as you know, that's, that's a property type right now that's hurting a lot due to the COVID uh, situation. So it's given him a badly needed cash now that he can then utilize to, uh, for his operation. And in this particular case, he's gonna go out and he's gonna buy another, another hotel because uh, you're able to, it's, it's a great time to, to buy, hotel, buy hotels Absolutely. right now because you can uh, get them at a discount. Yeah, yeah, every, they're all on sale, that's for sure. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty penny that he's saving. Um, sure, he's grateful for this. Uh, yeah, so and, he, and the, the example, excuse me, the example on that particular one is that we've uh, a return on investment of about 16 times what the cost of the study would, would, would be for him. And that's not, not an unusual uh, ROI. Frequently, it can be, uh, be, be even greater than that. Got it. What, uh, since we're on it, can you go ahead and, and talk about what the, the cost of the study would be? Yes, the cost of the study is going to vary depending upon what the property is. Uh, for instance, if, since we're talking about hotels, let's say you're looking at a, uh, a 60 or 70 room uh, Motel 6 versus a 300 room Hilton. Obviously, it's a much larger property and it's going to uh, vary significantly based on that. One thing to mention, however, is that the cost of the study is there's no uh, relationship between that and what the savings is going to be. We don't do it on a percentage basis, we do it on a flat fee basis. So that's a, an important uh, point point to make. For, uh, for some of the hotels, which I'm doing right now, which are in the maybe 100 keys, the, uh, the cost on that is somewhere typically in the maybe five to $6,000 range. I, I've done some which are, are down to uh, maybe just a couple thousand dollars, but that's usually when I'm working on a portfolio and I'm helping them out with one property and we're able to, to cut a deal on, on, on them for, for another one. However, if you get into large portfolios or large buildings, uh, it's, 
it's very easy to have the, the cost of a study exceed six figures in, in those situations. But again, it's fee-based based on the particular uh, property. Yeah, and it, it's a drop in the bucket compared to all the tax savings, uh, potential tax savings too, so. Yeah. Yes, it, it's a very, very significant savings, and there's a there's a reason why we've been doing this for over 18 years and been able to be, been quite successful at it is because it works. Gotcha. What are some differences, or are what are the differences um, between how passive investors and active investors uh, would benefit, and and how they would approach this? Great question, and the thing that I just mentioned regarding the CARES Act, that pertains to, to active investors, not passive investors, who are able to take advantage of that uh, tax refund. <coughs> Excuse me. I work with some clients who uh, have 1031 exchanges, whereby they may be a, a doctor who's just using it for investment purposes. In that particular case, they're going to have uh, their so they're going to have some other firm do the property management and all the other things associated with, uh, with maintaining that property. In that particular case, they would be a passive investor because they're not really actively involved in, in managing their property. So there would be uh, less benefits uh, associated with, with them. However, I have done uh, a number of, 10, of 1031 properties. Uh, I mentioned doctor because that's that's the scenario that, I, that I've had for, for clients who doctors have owned strip malls and other, other properties. Gotcha. Gotcha. We, we talked a little bit about the hotel example. Um, can you either use that or maybe another example to walk us through uh, what this looks like in real life, kind of when your, your firm engages with an investor and kind of walk us through the whole process? Sure. The initial thing we do is to be able to gather information about the property. First of all, we want to know what type of property is it? Is it a, is a golf course? Is it an apartment building? Is it a, a data center? Is it, you know, whatever, whatever type of property it is. How much did they pay for it? Whether or not um, they're planning on doing renovations on it? What's the, the tax rate of the, of the owner? because the tax rate's gonna have an impact on what their savings is gonna be. And what the number of parking lots they have, square footage, things of that nature. Because of the tens of thousands of studies that we've done, we're able to take a look at that information and, the, and then within several days be able to provide to the property owner and to their tax counsel. This is what we anticipate your savings is going to be this is what the cost is going to be associated with the study. Um, and they can then make a decision as to whether or not they want to move forward with it. One thing we mentioned to the clients is that the estimate that we provide for the, uh, for the savings is very conservative in nature. And over 90% of the time, the actual savings are greater because we under promise and over deliver on that. And, and that's, that, that's how uh, that works. When a client decides that they want to move forward with the study, that the fee is clearly defined. And as I indicated previously, the fee is not percentage-based, it's flat fee-based. 
and when the study is actually done, it, the uh, it's the savings are greater than what the than what we anticipated. Our fee does not change at all. It is flat fee. The the t uh, at the time of engagement, fifty percent of the fee is paid up front, and then the time that takes to perform the study is typically four to six weeks. However, in a pre-tax season, typically not this year, but typically you have your April deadline, and that season extends to six to eight weeks. And we're also in that uh, longer time period right now because we're in the tax extension period for, for clients who have extended their taxes. So. Um, we're actually too late right now to be able to, to do any for uh, any clients uh, at this point in time for the 2019 taxes. Um, however, we're, we're starting to work on 2020 taxes at this point in time. And then when the study is, is completed, um, the remainder of the fee is, is due at, at that point in time. And <clears throat> we really like to be able to have the property owner and their tax counselor, their CPA, um, involved so that, that there are, everybody is cognizant and has clear understanding of, of what it is that we're, we're trying to accomplish. And in fact, uh, this hotel example that I gave you was actually a referral, which I received from a CPA that I've known for a number of years. And that's, that's a, a good source for a lot of our, a lot of our business because CPAs are not, not equipped to be able to, to go in and do, uh, do these type of studies that, that we perform. Uh, another thing, I don't know if you were going to bring it up, but there's something called uh, bonus depreciation, and, and that's a, a really neat uh, thing too. And what that does is is allows someone who owns a property the first year of ownership, there's additional um, percentage of the property that can be uh, depreciated that first year of ownership, and it's kind of a use it or lose it type of situation because if they don't go ahead and take advantage of that that first year, then, then, uh, then, then they can lose that particular part of it. We can still do other, the other cost segregation, but not bonus depreciation part of it. A uh, good point differentiation uh, there is that um, with the Tax Cut Jobs Act that came out several years ago, that made a change for bonus depreciation, which uh, made it applicable for properties that were purchased. Uh, prior to that time, bonus depreciation was just for new construction, but now it does work for new construction, but then also previously built properties as someone has acquired. Gotcha. Um, that is close to what was going to be my next question. I know there, um, I know there were, are, are or were differences between, again, someone buying a property, like you said, they, or they just bought it. Um, it would probably be wise to approach you, you guys or the CPA or both uh, going into a large purchase um, or having just bought. Uh, there, is there another difference between, I think maybe the first few years versus someone who's owned, you know, 10 years or so already? Are there, are there different categories and how they, this benefits ind individuals? Well, let's take the scenario of, let's say someone who's owned a property for 10 or 15 years and their CPA has done a straight line depreciation. What that has done is it's depreciated certain portions of that building during that period of time. Now, if we were to go in and do a cost segregation after 
there's been a straight line depreciation for that number of years, we can still potentially benefit that owner. However, the savings is going to be a lot smaller than what it would have been if we were able to be there on the front end, be able to take those appreciable costs at the, at during the first year or so that they acquired the, the, the building. So I, I won't say it can't be done, but I, it, it's a lot harder to be able to make the numbers work if they've owned it for a number of years because a lot of it's already been straight line appreciable. So kind of the cream's been taken off the top, so to speak. Got it. So the, the biggest benefit it sounds like is for people who are gearing up to buy or, um, or have, have just bought, you know, or, or within that first year. Yes. In, in fact, sometimes I work with people who are contemplating construction of a new one. I was working on one actually in the Washington DC area where they were planning on, on building a, a building and they wanted to know what their potential cost savings would be by doing it. So we were able to run a predictive analysis for them so they could use those numbers to put in the, into their pro forma to indicate what their, what their ROI was going to be on that particular project and to be able to utilize that um, it's also used sometimes for, for commercial property brokers that have a property that they're planning on, on selling. And sometimes the, the current owner will, will offer to pay for a cost segregation uh, study for the person who's buying the property as, as an incentive for them to be able to, to acquire it. Because mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's a really an, an inexpensive uh, option and adds a lot of benefit for the, for the new owner. Makes sense. I'll give you an example of maybe some situations where, where it's, it doesn't work, it's not applicable, is one of the pre-qualifying questions that we ask is, can, can you utilize uh, an additional uh, savings or deductions? You might have some people that have had so much in, in, in losses that it, it really doesn't make sense to be able to do it. Or let's say they're planning on flipping the the property they're going to have it and then they're going to sell it within within a year or two i typically tell clients uh if you're going to keep it maybe for five years or more it's probably beneficial to do it we have some that that will will do it anyway maybe after after three years because what they can do with the money we provide and be able to reinvest it in what they're doing is is still advantageous for them to do that however that's another one of the pre-qualifying questions we ask is, you know, are you planning on, on, on selling the property within, within the next uh, five years? And then also, like I said, can you benefit from these deductions? Because our, our objective is not to provide studies for people that can't, can't use it. I mean, what's the point of doing that? So, sure. uh, so those, those are pre-qualifying things. And sometimes I look at it and just, just tell the client, you know what, this, this really does not make sense based on, on your particular situation. Gotcha. Now for the uh, new construction benefits, is there, is there a difference between a new construction and say a gut rehab? Uh, what's, what's the line as far as that stuff's concerned? I would say they're, they're similar in situation, but with the gut rehab, one of the questions there would be, um, is the building occupied during the gut rehab? Maybe I've had situations where people might buy a hotel and are planning on doing a gut rehab on it. However, what they do is they do that um, floor by floor. 
Mm -hmm. So the building is still operational during that time. And, and we, we can still benefit them during the time that they acquired it. And however, if you buy something and it's not in service during that time, then that's going to, going to delay the, the process. So it kind of depends on, on the, the date and service of when it, when the property is occupied. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Well, uh, well, Mark, this has been great. Have we uh, touched on everything? Is there anything else that I missed? I think that really covers the, the gamut on it. I, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, I encourage people to, to seek out a, a cost segregation provider that would provide them with the engineered based uh, study, which sure. is the most beneficial. And uh, one thing that we do and, and quali other quality su uh, suppliers will do is provide a no cost um, defense. Let's say a client gets audited by the IRS we will at no cost uh, defend the study before the IRS. With all of our studies, we've never had one that's been overturned. And there's a reason for that is because we do it based on IRS guidelines and we will defend the, the, the study every single time. Awesome. If someone wants to get a hold of you or learn more about CSSI, how would they do that? My email is mgross, G-R-O-S-S, at CSSI associate.com. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Mark. This has been great. Appreciate it. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. Have, have a great day. Too. Thank you for listening to another episode of Skyline Views with Chris Mills. We hope you found this valuable and useful. Feel free to share it with friends or family that could benefit as well. Please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss anything. We really appreciate it. Also, we'd love to hear from you. Connect with us through thehaneycompany.com. See you next time. The information provided in this episode is not intended as specific tax or legal advice and may not be relied upon for purposes of avoiding any federal tax penalties. Skyline Views, The Haney Company, their employees and representatives are not authorized to give tax or legal advice. Individuals are advised to seek advice from their own tax or legal counsel. Individuals involved in the estate planning process should work with an estate planning team, including their own personal legal or tax counsel. The information provided here does not constitute personal financial advice, but is meant for the conveyance of information for educational purposes only. All investing involves risk, including the risk of loss. Past performance is not indicative of future returns. Guarantees are backed by the claims-paying ability of the insurer. Christopher Mills is a registered representative of Coastal Equities Incorporated. Coastal Equities Incorporated is not affiliated with the Haney Company or Skyline Views. Securities are offered through Coastal Equities Incorporated. Member FINRA SIPC. 1201 North Orange Street, Suite 729, Wilmington, Delaware, 19801.